What's going on and welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson and greetings from the Auctioner Sports Performance Center in Metairie as the Pelicans are getting ready to take on the San Antonio Spurs tonight and we'll finally see Zion Williamson make his regular season debut after missing the first 44 games with a knee injury. If you missed it, he spoke to the media yesterday, and you can watch that on Pelicans.com or the mobile app. A very exciting time for the Pelicans as they're playing some good basketball. They've won 11 of their last 15 games, and they have crept up the Western Conference standings. They're now just four games out in the loss column out of a playoff spot after beating the Memphis Grizzlies on Monday afternoon in Memphis. And now a bigger game tonight against the San Antonio Spurs, another team that you haven't seen yet this season. Again, that was the first time those two teams played this season, so they'll have three more to go. And tonight, we'll begin a four-game season series as usual for these two teams. And again, with both teams lingering right now at the eighth spot, both Memphis and San Antonio, you got the one on Monday. Now it's really important to get this one on Wednesday, not only to gain a game on the Spurs, but it could help with tie-breaking scenarios. It could also help um, in just getting closer and closer to that eighth spot. I feel like you're so close now after starting off 6-22 and and on a 13-game losing streak. The Pelicans are rolling right now, and they're beating some very good teams. But, of course, all the focus tonight will be on Zion Williamson making his NBA debut. Again, he's listed as questionable tonight, but there's no doubt about it. Zion will play tonight. We really don't know how much, but it might be in spurts or little bursts, as they say, instead of you know, longer stretches of time. He might play four or five minutes at a time, take a break, then come back in. Of course, they'll monitor him throughout the entire game, um, but everyone is really excited around here to see Zion play. I know everyone's been waiting as they see all the dunks and uh, all the videos of him at shoot-arounds and workouts and practices, and now you'll finally see it, and the world will finally see it as this game is nationally televised on ESPN, also televised locally on Fox Sports New Orleans, and of course we'll have it on the radio for you on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. I just think everyone is ready to go and ready to see this man on the floor and see also how he fits in with the rest of his squad who's been playing so well of late. Again, injuries have been an issue for the Pelicans, but listed as probable for tonight's game is J.J. Redick and Drew Holiday. And Drew coming off that big 36-point game against the Grizzlies on Monday, scoring or shooting uh, a career-high seven threes. Derek Favors, Josh Hart listed as questionable along with Zion Williamson and also Jalil Okafor. So we'll find out more about some of those guys as Alvin Gentry addresses the media uh, before the game tonight. Again, 8.30 p.m. start. It's a late one, but we hope to see everyone there as everyone in attendance will get a NOLA Won't Bow Down t-shirt courtesy of Morris Bart. It's a red t-shirt. looks great. It'll be on the back of the seats. So hopefully you all going to get there early and get your t-shirt as um, it should be an electric crowd, a playoff-type atmosphere for a regular season game against the Spurs. We're going to have a, an even bigger show for you today than we normally do. Two guests uh, from the Worldwide Leader. As uh, I don't know if you saw it last week, I encourage you to read it. Baxter Holmes, uh, senior NBA writer for ESPN.com, had a great story about Zion's recovery process, the rehab that goes into it, and just plenty more on the science side of what's gone into Zion's rehab process. An excellent article, so we wanted to make sure we got Baxter leading up to tonight's game. And also the man calling the game for ESPN is Dave Pash. Um, he was calling the Pelicans and Lakers just a few weeks ago when I ran into him in Los Angeles. He was kind enough to join me as well today, and you'll hear from him in the second part of our podcast. All right, we begin our Zion extravaganza here on the Pelicans podcast with Baxter Holmes. Baxter is a senior NBA writer for ESPN, if you missed it. Um, last week, he had a great article about Zion and his rehab process and the 
preparation that goes into it and what he learned through that process. Uh, Baxter, I appreciate the time. Hope all is well. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And I do want to talk about that article at first because it was a really good article. Article, A lot of the people around here were passing it around just as far as how in-depth it was. And so I kind of wanted to ask first what you took away from writing this article. What did you learn about Zion's rehab process when interviewing David Griffin and some of the players? Sure. So the first thing that I'd state is a lot of the things that they're working with him on um, – in terms of his kind of alignment and, and kinetic change and range of motion, these are very common issues that are, are really needing to be worked on with all kinds of young players who are coming into the NBA. You know, we can talk about specialization and all the various things that kind of comprise the, the physical makeup of young basketball players uh, today, you know, playing one sport all year round and, and uh, not really taking much time off. But, there are various issues that guys are coming in the league with in terms of, you know, their hips and their ankles and their knees and on and on and on. And so uh, uh, NBA teams around the league are having to kind of focus on this stuff uh, heavily in terms of preparing their young players for the, the grind of the NBA. But Zion is obviously a, a more unique case because of his overall size and the athletic force that he creates. So it kind of, it, in a simple way, if you think of the kind of uh, equations that teams are having to solve with their young players, it becomes an even more kind of complicated or exaggerated one with, with a player of his force uh, ability and, um, and uh, again, of his, of his size. And so that's kind of been the, the, the riddle, I think, uh, uh, not necessarily the Pelicans are trying to solve, but a lot of people are very curious as to how it can be solved. And, and uh, uh, you know, but again, I would, I would emphasize that these are the con common sorts of things that people are having to force or talk about with, uh, um, you know, all kinds of young players coming in. And in general, I think there's the question of, you know, is Zion too athletic uh, or is he, you know, for someone his size, uh, does that raise any questions about his durability? And, And I don't necessarily think it does. And the experts I talk to don't think so either. Baxter, I remember you uh, most specifically for your article called Under the Knife when you were talking about exposing uh, youth basketball and America's youth basketball crisis. So I remember that article because I remember sharing it with uh, with my brothers this summer because my background is I played college basketball and I had a back injury. And so that took me out from playing college basketball and possibly playing on. Um, and I remember talking to my brothers before you wrote your article about AAU basketball, how much that that has changed the game of basketball. So when you when you use the word common talking about Zion and his injury, it's funny you say that because when I when I heard about Zion's injury and when we learned about it and everyone was just freaking out about he's going to be out the whole season, you know, we hold him out so he can have rookie of the year. I just remember thinking this is a very uncommon guy. This isn't, this isn't, uh, it's very unprecedented, like David Griffin said. Um, and it's just kind of something that we have, we haven't seen before. We haven't seen a kid who has had the caliber of talent that Zion Williamson has had. We haven't seen his build. We haven't seen any of this. So for everyone to kind of freak out, was that kind of your same thought process when it first came out that Zion had a torn meniscus? Yeah, yeah, and, and you know everything you said is, is very on point. I was thinking of that. I think he was Zion. Actually, I interviewed him when I think he was like seventeen or something, mm-hmm. and he was up at P three and was right. in that the second part of that series from this summer. Yeah, and uh, I think he was even rehabbing his knee. Then he might have fallen on it and banged it up or something. But no, yes, I uh, I remember there being initial kind of concern 
it seemed like just from the general talk in the back basketball atmosphere after his meniscus, like, oh, this, you know, he's he's not going to be able to play, and and uh, he's, he's too big, too too explosive, and his knees can't take it, and all these other things. And I remember talking to various experts, and they would kind of just say the same thing that so much of, of a player's durability and sustainability is really about their quality of movement. So mm-hmm. it could be something as simple as like, you know, when you land, the alignment of your knees or the alignment of your ankles or, you know, how you're kind of transferring force, not to get too sciencey. I'm certainly not a scientist. Um, <laughs> but it's a lot of those things uh, that can really dictate, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're 175 pounds or 300 pounds or 400 pounds. It really just depends on the quality of movement and how you're kind of shifting force throughout your body, particularly in a, in a sport with a lot of jumping. And so I had set out kind of after, you know, seeing what seemed like a lot of people freak out to really try to find some science and evidence and, and right. lend that to the overall narrative. And again, it, it came back to some of the things you're talking about. It's, so much of it is just really about the quality of movement. Like how, how is somebody like that moving? You know, when they jump, what does it look like? When they land, what does it look like? When they're running or moving laterally, like, or, and hips are a huge, huge, huge thing that all kinds of specialists talk about, like, mm-hmm. the, you know, how open their hips are, if they're really tight and stiff, or they can't get low to the ground and laterally, all of that good stuff. So I, those apply to Zion just as they apply to everybody else. It's just more exaggerated because he's just kind of a unicorn. We haven't really seen anybody with his build or athleticism in one package. How much does this process now with Zion and what he's been through um, as far as the mechanics go change the way maybe teams look at other players when drafting? I know we talk about no one has the build like Zion or no one we've never seen anyone like Zion before. But in the case of if there may be someone up and coming or in the in the neck in the future, how does this process kind of change the way teams look at evaluating players based on the movement of, of how they go? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And I remember talking to a GM for the story who described there being something of a phenomenon of players who seem so athletic that you worry that it, uh, you know, may overall hinder their durability. And, you know, the GM referenced guys like Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin, guys who obviously battle a lot of injuries. And I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on Zion in this way. Um, and I think more people are, because of, some of these issues we're seeing from year-round specialization and guys coming in the league with a lot of issues and miles are, are having to focus more on just quality of movement and range of motion. And, te- and, and various experts uh, with NBA teams and athletic trainers have told me that that uh, these weren't the kinds of issues they had to tackle maybe in, in I don't know, a decade ago. Mm-hmm. But they're really having to focus on them now. And, and in some ways there's frustration, right? They don't, you know, they would like the guys coming in to not have you know, such tight hips that they can't get in a basic squat position or something like that. But that's that's how life goes. That's where we're at. And so um, I do think that Zion, though, is going to be a very closely watched and monitored uh, player in this regard. And certainly if there's any other guys who come out who have kind of explosive athleticism, their quality of movement is going to be studied as certainly as closely as he was, especially if they're, if they're a bigger player. But I... I also think everyone will take it with a grain of salt because, you know, Zion is a once-in-a-lifetime athlete and a, and a once-in-a-lifetime build. I don't, I can't remember any player quite like him before, and I, you know, seeing another one like him, it's kind of like a meteor or a comet passing by. They only come around every once every billion years or whatever. Well, Baxter, correct me if I'm wrong, and I might kind of go all over the place with this one like I did with my last question, but when you look at Zion, you call him a once-in-a-lifetime player, right? And, and, 
would you not agree that now more than any time before you have the you have the science and you have the technology to help someone extend their tenure in the NBA because right now you have the nutrition information, you have the science, you have the the sports technology to back it up. I mean, I know you did a lot of research with P3, so they see how he's landing, his mechanics, his hips. And it's something that I bring up all the time when people bring up the the Kobe or the LeBron versus MJ thing. Well, MJ didn't have the 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 science and the technology that these guys have now. So you're allowed to extend your time in the NBA. So would you disagree agree that now is the time to have a player like this and to kind of experiment with a guy like Zion? Yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're absolutely right that, that, uh, science, technology, nutrition, sports medicine, all of it, athletic training, strength and conditioning is more advanced, um, than it's ever been. And so people are able to take a far more granular and, and microscopic look at some of these super, you know, uh, uh, small issues or, or small details that they weren't able to examine before. You know, a good example, like at P3, and there are other labs like this, you know, they have these um, uh, uh, 3D motion capture cameras. And so they can put markers on players and get, you know, all these thousands of data points on exactly how you're moving to the smallest little degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, when you're jumping or landing or things like that. And so if you're able to identify that, you're able to work on it, do corrective exercises, and potentially fix issues before they become full-blown injuries. So in many ways, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there, all the kinds of things are advanced around him in such a way that, uh, you know, he can be prepared to be healthy, have a long career, all of that good stuff. And in, and in other ways, some of that stuff still comes down to fundamentals. Right. Um, you know, it, it, you can't, in the NBA, you can't beat simple stuff like getting a good night's sleep and recovering properly and, you know, uh, uh, making sure you're, you're doing the right things in the weight room, you know, whatever. There's all kinds of stuff that even, you know, apply back in Jordan's day that still apply today. But we do have far more science and technology to help us uh, understand things on a really, really deep level that we didn't before. Let's transition into the Pelicans and kind of, you know, how Zion fits now into this equation. You know, we've seen a very small sample size based on Summer League, which you really can't factor into tomorrow or tonight's game. But you can factor in a little bit with his preseason play and how he did against some of the teams he faced, including the San Antonio Spurs in one of the preseason games. But I'm sure you've been able to see the Pelicans a little bit now. Um, They are starting to get a little healthier. Based on that, how do you think Zion fits into this Pelicans equation as they make a run for the playoffs? Oh, I'm, I mean, I think he fits in fine. I, I, I will say I do think that given the warm layoff that he's had, there's going to be a kind of an adjustment period just of, you know, getting used to the minutes and all of that. You know, he, he, hasn't, you know, he hasn't played in a while, so there's going to be an adjustment period. But I do think that once he's able to kind of get his legs underneath him and, and get adjustment to him, that he poses an incredibly strong threat, particularly in the open floor. Uh, when they're when they're running, and it just gives them another strong weapon in that way, and a guy that uh, uh, teams are going to have to account for. You know, he is uh, he is such a an athletic kind of marvel that any 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 ball near the rim or any kind of lane to the rim, he can attack and finish in a way that few players really can. And you know, I don't. I don't know a lot of guys who really want to stand in front of Zion and take a turn, you know, and risk, and risk whatever. Uh, uh, risk, everything. risk everything. Risk yeah, everything. Exactly. 
I mean, seriously, stand, stand over the rim when he's come running at it. I mean, you got to make a you got to make a business decision over whether or not it's worth it to let you know him hit you and then you're you know whatever else happens. So, um, uh, so I think he's he's going to pose. Uh, you know, it's, it's a obviously a young athletic team, and you know, with Lonzo, they can. And, and everybody else, they can really get up and down the court. And I just imagine, I mean, I think the thing that a lot of fans have been fantasizing about from day one is Lonzo's, you know, core vision, passability, throwing balls, really, I guess, anywhere in the general atmosphere of the rim yep. uh, or towards the basket uh, and, and Zion being able to finish. And so, and I think that will come to fruition, honestly. And, and you know, guys, as you talked about, health has been an issue. Um, but as guys have started to come back around, they've looked fantastic. I mean, especially Brandon Ingram. Has looked marvelous, so uh, it's exciting. And, and um, I, I, with all the athleticism on the court, it's you know with Zion when he's healthy, gets his legs underneath him, it'll be hard for any other team to match. Baxter, I was standing nearly in front of Zion today during his media avail- availability, and I'm not a small person. I'm six one, and I'm not going to say how many pounds, but I was looking at him today, and I can I can say with confidence that your comparison to a vending machine was probably pretty spot on. <laughs> Well, I was thinking of that when I was standing with Griff um, um, off to the court in L.A. and watching him kind of, you know, drive towards the rim and dunk and his horde of media, and everybody got the heck out of the way. Yeah. It kind of reminded me, honestly, like if someone were crossing the street and then all of a sudden you see a truck coming or something and you just you, you immediately rush to one side or the other to get out of the way. I mean, he's – that is – he is there's a lot there. And uh, <laughs> it's just I, – I, I also saw, you know, his size, again, you're – far more common to see someone like that on a defensive line than you are in the NBA. So uh, for the guys who do want to take a charge from him, uh, you know, good luck. I, I'm, I'm not signing up for that. Well, if he starts handing out snacks, he'll be the best vending machine I've ever seen. So let's hopefully that can start <laughs> happening as well. Baxter, I really appreciate the time. It was a great article. Everyone must go and look at it. If you haven't seen it yet, you can follow him on Twitter. It's very simple, at Baxter. I like how you came up with the, the simplest Twitter name I've ever seen, Baxter, and I really appreciate the time. Absolutely, man. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. And before we get into Dave Pash, of course, today's podcast is presented by SeatGeek as you're trying to find tickets to basketball games like tonight or any other live event can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing. With SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple of taps. Of course, if you are looking for tickets tonight, this is your best way to go as far as SeatGeek is concerned with play with people listing their tickets on there um, and also trying to find your ways to get into that basketball game. SeatGeek is the way to go. Also, if you're a first-time uh, user of the SeatGeek app, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase. Use the code GOPELS at checkout, all one word. Go Pels at checkout, and hopefully we'll see you at tonight's game. SeatGeek, score the best deals on tickets. And joining us now is Dave Pash. He'll be on the call tonight uh, for ESPN for the Pelicans and the Spurs and Zion's return. He'll be on the call with Mark Jackson and Tom Rinaldi. Not only does Dave do the NBA, he also does college football and college basketball, and he's also the voice of the Arizona Cardinals. We'd have had, we've had him on before. He's also a friend of the program. Dave, I appreciate you coming on. How are you? Good, Dana. How are you doing? I'm good, Dave. It was a few weeks ago that I ran into you as uh, you were heading to the Staples Center, and I was heading to the Staples Center getting ready for Pelicans and Lakers, and it seems like a lot has changed since then for the Pelicans in a good way as far as their, their streak here. Um, what have you seen from this team since you saw them three weeks ago? You know, it's really what I thought I'd see most of the year out of the Pelicans. I, I thought that this uh, team would be better. 
I thought the record would be better at this point, just looking at the talent. Uh, I, I always thought that Brandon Ingram had a lot of potential. Obviously, he is now living up to that billing and then some. Lonzo Ball is playing much better. The defense is better. Everything's better. And so it's great timing for Zion, given that, you know, you're only a few games out of the final playoff spot. Long way to go. You got half a season. So plenty of time to make up ground here for the Pelicans. I'll get into Zion in just a few moments, but I did want to talk about Brandon Ingram because he has been the talk of this Pelicans team before um, Zion's making his return tonight against the Spurs. Um, a lot of people think about how this is maybe a new environment for him, just kind of a, a new team, um, a new offense, and the, one of the biggest biggest reasons why he's been able to shine so far for New Orleans. Um, you seem like he could be a candidate maybe for most improved just based on how well he's uh, he's really kind of shot off here for the New Orleans Pelicans. He'd get my vote today, no question. Just looking at you know, last year and you know, really his entire tenure in LA, for whatever reason, you saw glimpses, but you know, maybe it was just uh, being in that environment. You know, he's a guy from a small town, and I know he's talked about how New Orleans feels a lot more uh, like home for him. He wasn't into the LA scene. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure on a high draft pick to try to turn around a franchise like the Lakers that, you know, everything you do is under a microscope where locally that might be the case in New Orleans. You don't get the same sort of national play. Uh, I think you get a little bit of a pass nationally um, as opposed to the Lakers where, you know, it's really all about the negative unless, you know, you're playing as well as they are right now with the exception of last night against Boston. So, I, I just feel like he is reaching uh, a state where a lot of people thought he could get to. And just as a three-point shooter, as a defender, uh, as, a, as a ball handler, a passer, uh, and obviously a scorer, he's been phenomenal. And not only is he most improved player, I, I think he's got a chance to, to uh, be an all-star and make one of the all-NBA teams. All right, let's focus our attention on Zion because that's been the talk here for the past week leading up to um, David Griffin talking about the release date. Or not the release date, it's not like it's an album, but as far as when he's going to be able to play as everyone's been waiting for this moment. And I know you, we were talking about this off the air as far as when you got the call as far as you are going to be a part of this broadcast on ESPN. But um, what did you think when you, when you learned the news that you were going to see Zion's regular season debut against the Spurs tonight? Well, it feels like a concert date, right? It's right. the beginning of a uh, tour. Uh, the Zion tour starts, uh, you know, against uh, San Antonio. I was pretty jacked. It's a you know, great assignment. Uh, I was already on the schedule. Our, our, the group that was, uh, you know, we were scheduled to do Denver at Houston uh, until they made the decision last week to change it. So uh, I was pretty excited uh, to be able to do this, having watched Zion from afar, watching him on TV, in summer league and preseason and obviously at Duke last year, I, I've marveled at his athletic ability and just raw skill. And without question, it's the most anticipated NBA debut since LeBron James. And you could make a case that there's even more hype surrounding this because we had more of a sample size of Zion at a high level than we did of LeBron. All we had of James was high school. And with Zion, you saw what he did at Duke last year. You saw what he did in the ACC tournament. So 
I can't wait. I, I know he's not going to play 40 minutes um, or anything, and this is the beginning of a marathon for him. But uh, I'm just I'm just anxious to see what the arena's like, and uh, there are going to be a lot of people in the media that are uh, that are here watching the game live, and then a lot of fans. Obviously, they're going to be glued to the TV. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of media credentialed for uh, tonight's game, that's for sure. And uh, you mentioned it's kind of like a concert day now with the Zion tour after this, you know, his first road game will be big and then others after that. But uh, when you talk about him making his debut and how much hype there has been since LeBron James, do you feel like this is going to be an event saying this is where I was when I saw Zion's first game or this is what I was doing? It feels like does he have that much of an impact on the league right now that we can look back maybe in five years and say, I remember this Wednesday, January 22nd, where Zion made his NBA debut? I think it depends on how he does, right? Yeah. If he comes out and goes 10 of 11 in 20 minutes, yeah, absolutely. And this is the the start of what everybody's hoping. Uh, and I think there are a lot of people rooting for him to do well, and they should. Uh, he's a phenomenal talent. It's great for the league. Uh, it's great for New Orleans. You know, losing Anthony Davis, but getting some good pieces back to be able, able to add somebody that has the ability to lift this franchise uh, to being a playoff contender again. I, I, and I think that's good for the NBA, just looking at how the Saints have impacted New Orleans and impacted the NFL. Uh, to have the Pelicans, if they can get going here and, and be, you know, a regular playoff team. And eventually, if Zion is, uh, turns out to be, you know, an all-star and Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball continue to progress, you know, who knows where this franchise could be in a few years. So, uh, I do think, well, I, I think he's going to be great. So I think we are going to look back and say, I remember what that was like, how it all began for Zion. Uh, I really hope so. I hope that he can stay healthy because he has all the talent in the world. What's crazy is I think people forget that this is a big game for both the Pelicans and the Spurs. If you look at the standings and the Pelicans are three and a half back of the Grizzlies right now for a playoff spot, but right behind the Grizzlies are the San Antonio Spurs. Pelicans are four back in the loss column of them. But as far as looking at the playoff picture in eighth, and this is the first meeting between these two teams this season, I feel like people forget that not only is this a big day because of Zion's return, but this is also a very important game that could uh, help one of these teams make the playoffs down the stretch. Yeah, especially the schedule for the Pelicans coming up. Boston is on Sunday. Um, I, you know, the, the schedule for the Pelicans is not easy here. And San Antonio is coming off winning a back-to-back against Miami and in Phoenix. Uh, so, uh, maybe they've kind of settled down a little bit. They've settled into their rotation and, um, you know, they're a little bit healthier than they were earlier in the year. They've kind of figured out, okay, who plays well with whom. So, uh, they're playing, you know, they're playing really good basketball the last few games. Uh, and, you know, for New Orleans, again, with the schedule they have coming up, uh, this is a game they need to win. So, uh, I think. Yeah, there's a lot more at stake, no question, than just you know Zion's debut, but that's that's obviously the headliner. Yeah, absolutely, and I know the Pelicans had the Nuggets on Friday, Celtics on Sunday. Then it does get a little easier down the stretch as they have one of the easier schedules of the second half of the season, so that gets me to my last question with you, Dave, as far as when you look at the playoff picture down the stretch, do you see the Pelicans as one of those teams, even though we still don't know how Zion compliments everyone and we don't know the health of this team as they've been battling injuries, but... Do you think that the Pelicans could be one of these teams that are going to be fighting for that last playoff spot come March and the beginning of April? Well, I think that's what's so intriguing now about the timing of Zion uh, making his debut because 
if he turns out to be a guy that can play, and it may not be initial, uh, but you know, in a month, if he's playing 30, 35 minutes, he's healthy, he's playing every night. Uh, I, I think it's really exciting because, again, to have this team in the playoffs is good for everybody. Um, I, I think they're they, they've got some people that are, are fun to watch, and 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 it's, it's not just Zion. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if he turns out to be as good as we think he's going to be, then they have a great chance to make the playoffs. I I just think with, you know, San Antonio and the, and the history and, you know, the way DeRozan's playing right now and Aldridge, I still think they have a chance to make the playoffs. I'm really curious if Memphis can hang on, uh, what happens with Phoenix. They've been up and down. So, you know, there are a lot of teams eight through 14 that are still in the hunt for uh, that, that final playoff spot. And, and the Pelicans, I think, will, will hang around for a good part of the year. But that's why these games are you know, important. Again, you mentioned Denver and Boston, and then it does get a little bit easier. But it's kind of a tough stretch they're in. Uh, but they've won some of these games lately. They've beaten some good teams. So uh, I, I think if you're a Pelicans fan, you should be pretty encouraged. Absolutely. Should be a fun atmosphere tonight inside the Smoothie King Center. Hopefully a playoff-like atmosphere, as I know everyone's waiting on Zion's debut, including us too, Dave. I really appreciate the time, and we look forward to your call tonight from the Smoothie King Center. Thanks again. Yep, anytime. Thank you. All right, that'll do it for today's podcast. Big thanks to Baxter Holmes and Dave Pash. Slated to join us on Friday is Chris Herring, who writes for 538 Sports. He has a great article about the Pelicans' playoff chances heading into the second half of the regular season, and they look pretty good as of now. Let's see if that will improve if the Pelicans can win today. All right, 8.30 p.m. Central tip time from the Smoothie King Center. Get there early. It's going to be crowded. It's going to be packed. It's going to be fun. It's going to be loud. And we hope to see you all there at the Smoothie King Center. Of course, you can watch on ESPN, Fox Sports New Orleans, and listen on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. That'll do it for today's podcast. Until tonight, from the Smoothie King Center, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.